episode 64 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Uh, we'll do the playoffs in the second half of the show. Um, lot to get to there. Um, <laughs> um, I I, I want to start with the Knicks first on the show. Getting Kind of getting things right off the bat. First of all, Hope you're all doing well this week. Hope you're all staying safe out there during the pandemic and things of that nature. Hope you've been enjoying the basketball. Again, we'll get to on-the-court stuff in the NBA in the second half of the show. We'll touch on the Clippers. We'll touch on the Lakers. We'll touch on the great series developing already between the Heat and the Celtics. And we'll touch on the Nuggets and the Clippers. So we'll get to that second half of the show Let's do a little Knicks roundup at the start of the show this week. We'll talk some draft on the show. Feels like it's been a few episodes, at least one or two, I think, since we have talked in depth with NBA, you know, some NBA draft stuff involving the Knicks. And of course, some reports on what the Knicks could do during this offseason. Let's start with the the draft first. I'll get to the rumors in a second, some of the reports that are going on about what the Knicks could be doing, a little wheeling, a little dealing. And things of that nature. A lot of moving and shaking. Little reports. Little nuggets about what the Knicks might do with this 8th pick. I think you guys have basically... You guys basically know where I stand on this. I think there's a possibility the Knicks could have... Three chances to make a positive scenario out of this. Trading up to get the point guard you want. Reportedly in LaMelo Ball. Trading down. Maybe grabbing another guard... And then maybe cash or another player. And by the way, you could grab another player by possibly trading up as well, depending on who you trade with. Or staying staying pat, but making sure you get a guard. Someone like a Tyrese Halliburton or a guy that I've liked from the beginning in Cole Anthony. We'll get to some of that in a second. Um, From where I've seen different mock drafts I don't love where many people have the Knicks going here I don't think that many are paying attention to the Knicks roster to what they need um and to the talent that's available um last week after the show was released many were asking about Cole Anthony some were asking about Kira Lewis Jr. out of Alabama a kid that's got a long way to go I think as far as his development, but does have a little bit of talent to work with. No question about that, but he'd be a bit of a risk. No question about it, especially with the eighth pick. Uh, No doubt. I think he's definitely further down the point guard pecking order. Um, A few people have have messaged me about Killian Hayes. Um, I'm not a fan of taking Killian Hayes. I've said that from the beginning. Others, for some reason, are. I don't know why. I think getting bit by another French point guard is not the way the Knicks should want to go during this upcoming NBA draft, which I believe is now announced to be in in the middle of November, I believe, is the official ruling on that. Um, I think our site, postingandtoasting.com, November 18th is when the draft is going to go. So, oh boy, start counting down the days uh, until the Knicks make their pick. Um, for now... Or, or decide what to do with that said pick. Um, some have Devin Vassell from Florida State going to the Knicks. Patrick Williams, another Florida State wing, 
possibly getting picked by the Knicks. A lot of different mock drafts are going in a lot of different places. Um, I think that says obviously one of two things. One, it's not this is not a foolproof deal, obviously. But when I when I really thought about it, it also really goes back to what the Knicks have in front of them, the options they have here, what they could do with the with this pick. They have a lot of options here, not only for who to pick, but for what they could do with the pick. And we've, and we've discussed them. Really quick, I want to touch on a couple of things with the draft, some that we haven't really factored into the equation yet because one, well, one little nugget here is that there's some breaking news in a way, not for in general, but you guys, some of you might already know this, but for the podcast, we haven't touched on this yet. Some new news to add into the equation before we really uh, can reevaluate some of this stuff. And I'll get to that in a second. Just want to touch on a couple other mock drafts um, that I saw early. And again, this is a potpourri, you know, Bleacher Report, CBS Sports, um, uh, ESPN, things like that. These are the mock drafts that I normally check. And yeah, again, I just want to double check all of the ones that I have available to me. Keir Lewis Jr. and Killian Hayes, CBS Sports has the Knicks taking either one of those two guys. I, I, I really don't like either of those options, particularly with who's available at that spot. Now, to be fair, some people have Hallop, Tyrese Halliburton getting picked ahead of the eight. If you have if you have the Knicks passing on Tyrese Halliburton, I think that's a huge mistake. I think if Tyrese Halliburton is there at eight, I think the Knicks are either taking him or Cole Anthony. I really do. I think he, those are the two guys that make the most sense if the Knicks keep their pick. And and again, that's not a full. It's not full proof that that's going to happen. But I think that that's the most the more likely scenario. I I think to be honest with you. More, more and more people are, are putting Tyrese Halliburton to the Knicks. I like it. Again, I, I think that's a good option for the Knicks. I think it could be a move that really works out. I, I really do. So it, it's, we have to see, you know, I, I, you never know with the Knicks. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't know. Uh, there's been multiple reports, by the way, that the Knicks are not married to taking a point guard in the NBA draft. That's kind of the new piece of news I wanted to throw into this here. Um, there are, Again, there's reports that the Knicks want LaMelo Ball. They think he could be the franchise player of the future. But there's another report that the Knicks might not even take a point guard. And I think that that'd be a massive mistake. Um, you know, obviously... With who's available at eight, or if you trade up, Lamelo Ball's in play. If you trade down, you get a little bit more, and then maybe you go for Cole Anthony, someone like that, depending on where you trade down. And if you stay pat, you stay. If you stay in place, you could easily get Cole Anthony, and there's a very good chance that Tyrese Halliburton could still be available. And if you settle on him, or if you want him, you could still trade up a little bit to get him. Like I think, like that's still like if you think he's gonna go fifth or sixth, you can trade up to get him if if you think he's the guy. So I that's where I. Again, there's time to figure this stuff out. We're still two months away from the draft. So those things will whittle itself out when, you know, Leon Rose and company, they decide on who, you know, what, whether they're going to be movers and shakers or if they're going to settle where they are and make the right pick in their minds. So listen, a few names have been thrown out there. We mentioned as far as if the Knicks weren't to take a point guard, these are the names that have been thrown out there. 
Devin Vassell from Florida State seems to be the number one option on many people's boards. I think it's a huge mistake. I think I don't think he's worth not addressing the position you need to address the most to take him at the eighth spot. It doesn't make any sense. They don't really need him. They need a guard. Or you could say they need more talent. I'm not saying that. But point guard is so much more needed than small forward. It's it's so it's not even close. So I think if Cole Anthony or Tyrese Halliburton, or if you trade up to get LaMelo Ball, that's a win in the draft. If you trade back and get Cole Anthony and get a little extra, that's fine. I would take that. But Devin Vassell is not, not, not the priority for the Knicks in this draft. I think if he falls to 11 to San Antonio, that's a fantastic opportunity for him to play there. Like that, Those are the kind of teams that should be looking at Devin Vassell, not the Knicks. The other name that I, I get texted about all the time when I'm talking Knicks, and, and even some of you guys on Twitter love throwing his name out there, and I got him thrown my way a couple of times after last week's podcast. Obi Toppin from Dayton. I've kind of gone in and out of talking about Obi Toppin on the show. I love Obi Toppin. I think he's a fantastic player. I'm just thinking because Dayton had such a good year last year, and he was the reason why. He's the reason why you knew about Dayton men's basketball last year in college because Obi Toppin was putting on shows night in and night out, even on, you know, he wouldn't even get the uh, you know the ESPN primetime games all the time. He would sometimes be on Stadium or CBS Sports Network or things of that nature. People still knew who this guy was. He, he's that good last year for the Dayton Flyers. He's a freak athlete, obviously, He's really good in transition. He's quick. Can jump out of the gym. Pretty good three-point shooter as well. He can score the basketball. Defensively, he's pretty darn good. The problem is, is his position needed by a team like the Knicks? And really, you start to wonder, you know, if Obi Toppin doesn't become more of a perimeter player, what's his future like in the NBA? So those are the two knocks on Obi Toppin. The Positives are that his athleticism, his basketball IQ, his speed, and he's coming around again, continuing to get better with that with that jump shot. I I think that the Knicks. Listen, some people are saying Obi Toppin could fall as low as nine or ten. I don't see that happening. First and foremost, it could, it could happen. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. I I could see him getting picked in the top five. So it's not a lock that that's going to happen. So to be honest, this conversation, you know, it's much more likely that if you don't want the Knicks to take a guard, which would just be bonkers to me. If you're in that camp, I don't, you don't, you're not watching the team play. But it's more likely that Devin Vassell is picked there than Obi Toppin is. And I just think that, well, listen, if the Knicks stay at eight and they're committed to stay at eight, I'll, I'll put it this way: if they're committed to stay at the eight spot and Obi Toppin falls to them, they will probably take him. Because he's that good. The Knicks could think, well, we can work with this guy. We can figure it out. Whether they can or not is another story. But if you're the Knicks and he falls to you, that they'll feel like that's a steal. You know, if it's only if Tyrese Halliburton goes ahead of him and it's Toppin or Anthony, I could see the Knicks taking Obi Toppin. But I, again, I just don't see that scenario taking place. I think Obi Toppin gets picked before eight, if not well before eight. I really do. I don't think he's going to be on the Knicks' radar. 
I really don't. I think De- if, if the Knicks don't take a guard in this draft, and, and in my opinion, screw it up, I think they need to take a guard, specifically a point guard, if not two point guards. I think Devin Vassell's probably the pick. I think he's he's a guy the Knicks could, ha- could say, well, we're bringing some talent onto the roster. But again, for me, listen... If the Knicks didn't need a point guard, this is a guy you can consider, but you need one. You have to get one. And These reports that the Knicks are not married to it, I, I maybe that's that's to open up trade options, you know, things like that, trying to say that, well, we're willing to move to, to other spots, you know, for guys that maybe aren't taking point guard. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they think it helps them with more deal opportunities and things like that. If the Knicks are not married to getting a point guard, they better start getting married because they need one. They they better uh, <laughs> elope right now because they need a point guard. They can't leave this draft without taking a point guard in the first round. You can't do it. And in my opinion, you can't, really, you can't leave that first pick without taking a guard. You need to do it. And the, here's the thing. The Knicks have so many options to get it done here with a guard. And and again, I've mapped these out on the last couple of podcasts. The Knicks could trade up and get LaMelo Ball. They could stay where they are and get Tyrese Halliburton or Cole Anthony. Or they can trade down and they can get Cole Anthony a little bit extra. And then you still have that second first round pick, around 27, I believe, where you can still get a guard. Jamius Ramsey from Texas Tech is likely going to be around down there. Devon Dotson from Kansas. You could get two guards in the first round. And by the way, early second round, Emmanuel Quickly from Kentucky is very likely to be available. So, and I think the Knicks have the 38th pick. So there's a chance they could get him as well. Like, you should be getting at least one, if not two guards in this draft. Quickly makes a lot of sense because he's a combo guard, potentially, in the NBA. Can play the point guard and the shooting guard position. So I, I think that, to me, a perfect draft is either getting one of three guys at the top, Ball, Halliburton, or Anthony, and then with that second pick, either grabbing another guard like Ramsey or maybe grabbing a guy like a wing player like a Sadiq Bay if he's available, or maybe a Tyler Bay from Colorado, and then late, or sorry, early in the second round, you're looking at maybe an Emmanuel quickly. Maybe even a Cassius Stanley out of Duke. Somebody like that. That's when you're thinking, okay, the Knicks just got a really nice haul in the 2020 draft. Those are the kind of names the Knicks need to grab. If we want to look back at the 2020 draft, this first draft under Tibbs, Leon Rosen company, and feel like, okay, that was a really strong start in the draft. Despite, you know, losing on lottery night and dropping two spots, they pulled it out of the fire and grabbed a really nice haul. For that kind of a haul, let's say, I'll give you the three players. If you're looking at Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Bay, and Emmanuel Quickly, that's that's an A-minus draft for me. Right off the bat. And if you grab LaMelo Ball, you know, a Sadiq Bay, 
and an Emmanuel quickly. You're looking at an A draft right there. That's a really nice haul, potentially for the Knicks. So those are the kind of names the Knicks have got to be getting here. Those are the kind of guys. And again, you're probably thinking, well, Sean, you just included a wing player in those three guys. Getting Sadiq Bey is a steal late in the first round. Taking Devin Vassell, or Vassell, I forget how you pronounce his name, in the with your eighth pick, that's a huge miss, considering what the Knicks need. You know what I mean? That's the difference. And listen, nothing against Obi Toppin. I think if a team like Cleveland, or Atlanta, or Detroit, even Chicago at four... If they got him, they'd feel great about it. But in my opinion, he doesn't fit where the Knicks are going. I just don't see it. I don't think the Knicks are going to explore that avenue if they're smart. This is a draft where you can grab two really nice guards. And go home really happy with where your team's at. I think you almost can't afford to take a big in this draft at all, pretty much. You know, a couple a couple people in the second round, a couple mock drafts in the second round have someone like a Philip Petrusev from Gonzaga, Yudoka Azabuki from Kansas. I think you stay away from that. I really do. I think you stay away. I don't think you touch those guys with a 10-foot pole. I think you leave the bigs alone. Especially if you're hanging on to Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, guys like that. If the Knicks do take a big, it's got to be in the second round. The Knicks cannot take a big in the first round. You're either taking a guard or you're taking a wing. And for me, I think you go guard with the first pick, wing or second guard with the second pick, and then best available in that early second round with maybe another wing, maybe another guard. And that's the only other chance. That's the only chance I could see the Knicks taking a big is that is that early second round pick. Let me know what you think in the comments below or uh, at Twitter at St. J Seven is where you find me, or you can go to the Posting and Toasting Twitter account and let us know what you think. A couple more quick hitters before we take a break and then talk about the craziness in the bubble. Uh, Knicks reportedly are going to offer a Fred Van Fleet a deal worth over $22 million per year during the offseason. Uh, this is from Legion Hoops. League source tells Ross of Legion Hoops that Fred Van Fleet's deal is going to be worth upwards of $22 million, actually over $22 million per season. And it, it basically backs up the report from Shams last month that the Knicks are all in for Fred Van Fleet. Uh, Shams also expects the Pistons and the Suns to be in for Fred Van Fleet as well. Although, again, Fred Van Fleet is still a big option to re-sign uh, a new contract, I should say, with the Raptors as well. Um, the Knicks are also reportedly ready to initial uh, offers for Chris Paul as well. So apparently the Leon Rose relationship there is why this buzz is happening. 
It's a good thing. I, I, I talked about this on the last show. It's good that this is sort of progressing a little bit. I think Chris Paul could be a really nice option for the Knicks. I've said that uh, over the last couple of shows, I think. I think that with where he's at, with, the, with where the Knicks are at, I think it makes a lot of sense. I really do. So we'll see how that one plays out moving forward. But for now, we just have to wait and see how those two stories develop. I'll take a quick break here. We go into the bubble next. I'm getting excited. Two crazy games the other night in the NBA bubble. A game seven and a game one. We'll talk about it next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Second half of the show, we dive into the bubble. Goodness me, what a crazy couple of games earlier this week in the bubble in Orlando. We start, we start, you guys, with an absolute, an absolute, there's really, again, there's, listen, there's a lot of adjectives we could use for what happened a couple of nights ago. But for me, I think there's only really one place to go here, and it's a collapse by the LA Clippers, yet again, at the final hurdle, away from their first ever Western Conference Finals. They've never been there in team history, and the second time they get close within a win, they can't get it done after getting three chances. Obviously, during the Lob City era, they were 3-1 up on the Houston Rockets, Lost the series, lost game seven in LA, and it was never the same after that in Los Angeles with the Clippers. This was the team that was supposed to get it done. The Clippers were flying high. They were 3-1 up. They looked for all the world that the series was over. Clippers destroyed the Nuggets in game one. Nuggets responded in game two with a nine-point win. Clippers reestablished their dominance in Game 3, grinded out a really tough Game 4, where they really just defended the heck out of the Nuggets. But then things seemed to change in Game 5. The Nuggets figured things out offensively, and a little bit defensively as well, I felt, in Game 5. And then in Game 6, they, they looked like they were ready to send this thing to a Game 7 for most of the night. I mean, they, they were not going to give up in that game, and they pulled away to win 111-98. to And then Game 7, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I really don't. Game 7, especially when you look at that fourth quarter, and really the second half as a whole, an utter collapse from the Clippers. It was so tight at halftime. I think the Clippers had a two-point lead at halftime of Game 7, and then the Nuggets ended up outscoring them by 10 in the third quarter. Nikola Jokic was huge yet again in Game 7, and frankly, the fourth quarter, 
especially the latter, the last five minutes, all Denver. Clippers waved the white flag. Jokic had a triple-double, I think. I think he had 22 rebounds and 13 assists. And Jamal Murray, I think, dropped a 40-burger, if memory serves, in Game 7. What a postseason he's had, the former Kentucky product. It's been incredible. And the Denver Nuggets, for the first time since Carmelo Anthony was in his prime, are going to the Western Conference Finals And they're going to play the LA Lakers. And the winner is going to the NBA Finals. It's unbelievable. A team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George stumble at the last hurdle and don't get it done in Game 7. Pretty remarkable. I have to say, for me, two big things about Game 7 from the Clippers' perspective Pretty simple. By the way, the final score in Game 7, 104-89. Holy bleep. Just an embarrassing Game 7 loss and a 3-1 deficit blown by the team that I thought was going to win the championship, the LA Clippers. They were the favorites, in my opinion, going into this bubble, and they blow it in the the Western Conference semifinals. Just incredible. Kawhi Leonard in Game 7, 6 of 22 from the field, 14 points. Yikes. Does it get worse? Yeah, it does. Paul George, 4 of 16, 2 of 11 from 3, 10 points. Really poor from two superstars right there. Again, I know know Paul George has been playing through an injury. So has everyone else. you You can't really bail him out for that. To be fair, I, I saw. I think I saw a, a Clippers fan burning a Paul George jersey. Stop with that. Stop with. Stop trying to get likes. Stop trying to get clicks. You're not funny. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. Come on. Give me a break. Nobody cares. Seriously, could not care less that you're that upset about it to burn your own jersey. Fr- frankly. To be quite honest with you, you're an idiot. It's it's so dumb to do that. I know you're frustrated. I know this is, frankly, embarrassing. It really is. But that's not, come on, you're not a fan if you're doing that. You're just not. Montrez Harrell had 20 points to lead the Clippers. You can't win game seven doing that. Not going to win many games in general doing that. It's going to be a long off season for Doc Rivers. Reportedly, the, the Sixers were interested, I think, in reaching out to Doc about their head coaching position. Doc, apparently, though, not a candidate. The Clippers are going to hold on to him, it looks like. But goodness me craziness uh jeremy grant gary harris i thought were both really good really really good for denver and then remember this is a denver team that's kind of been knocking on the door for a couple of years now in the west and they're going to their first ever conference finals as a group and they're good. why not go all out go for it you know this is this is a laker team that yes they're playing really well right now they're going to be the favorites clearly the favorites no doubt 
But I think this is a Nugget team that could give the Lakers some problems defensively. When you can shut down Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Listen, Anthony Davis is certainly a different animal. And listen, LeBron James is still LeBron James to a certain extent. But I I think the Nuggets, if they play as well defensively as they did against the Clippers, I think they could win this series. I really do. And that, that would be... You know, again, this is an upset, no question about it. The Nuggets beating the Clippers is a huge upset. But if the if the Nuggets go on to go to the NBA Finals, that would be incredible. You know, taking down LA by themselves, basically, that's pretty remarkable if it happens. Now, again, long series upcoming for Denver, but they've already made a big statement in this NBA bubble that they are ready to roll. And by the way, by the way, Second series in a row that the Nuggets have come back from 3-1 down to win it. They came back from 3-1 down against Utah, who had them dead and buried. Beat them in Game 7. After Mike Connolly, after a crazy scramble, missed a last-second three. And they just did it again to the title favorites, arguably, in the West, in the LA Clippers. Remarkable stuff. And next on their checklist are those LA Lakers. And if they can knock them on th- off their perch as well, knock them, I should say, knock them off from the top spot in the West, could be a really, really big story developing in Orlando. No question about that. On the other side of the coin, the Eastern Conference Finals, one game down at the time of recording, one game to the Miami Heat. I, I think for, for those that listen to the podcast know that right now I'm in Florida for work. I can see the Miami skyline from my recording studio here, from where I record the podcast, and it's a beautiful sight right now for Heat fans. Anytime I've been outside to get some exercise or, you know, social distance to, you know, get a little bit of, uh, get the blood flowing a little bit, I see a few Miami uh, Heat jerseys from that time, from, a, you know, now and again, a little Bam out of bio, getting some good love down here in Miami as well. So good to see the Heat fans out and about uh, giving it to the Celtics, that's for sure. And for the time being, they're up one nothing in the series. Great game one. Really no other way around it. It was really fun to watch. I, it was really a, a back-and-forth game. The Clippers, I should say, the Celtics, wrong seas team there. Celtics really gave it to Miami, I thought, in the first quarter and defensively kind of laid down a marker which Miami kicked away from them in the second quarter. They shot the lights out of it in the second quarter. I believe had the lead at halftime. Celtics reestablished themselves in the third quarter, and I thought we're going to go on and win it. I really did. I thought the Celtics going into the fourth quarter looked like they were going to go on and win the game, and then Miami woke up again from the three-point line and just hammering it down low with Bam Adebayo certainly was crucial in the game as well, but also... Huge shout out to Goran Dragic, who had a huge game in game one. Game, by the way, ends up going to overtime. We had a crazy moment in overtime, I believe, with the Bam Adebayo block on Jason Tatum. Actually, that might have been at the end of regulation. I forget. I have to go back and check when that was. But Bam Adebayo with a superhuman block on Jason Tatum's dunk attempt. Crucial play in the game. I think it was the end, it was the end of overtime, I believe crucial play at the end of the game and in the end uh, Tatum had having another shot to win it at the end Jason Tatum did but it rimmed in and out and that was that 117-114 in overtime 
and the Miami Heat, the fifth seed in the West, have a one nothing lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. And at the, at the, for the time being, again, Game 2, I believe, you'll know the result of when this goes out. It's going to be, I'm actually going to go tune into it after I'm done with this podcast. So you guys will know the result, but for now, Heater up one nothing, going into Game 2, feeling pretty good about themselves and could expect some really fun stuff going forward in this Eastern Conference Finals between these two rivals in the East. I think for me... I told you at the beginning that I thought the Miami Heat had a chance to make a bit of a run in the East. Didn't think they'd beat the Bucs. I didn't think they would, but they did. They kind of manhandled the Bucs, and here they are, three steps away from playing in their first NBA Finals since Miami lost their big three of LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. So, we'll have to see. By the way, Really quick thing, Tyler Hero starting to play well. You're seeing some good stuff from Duncan Robinson. 18 points in Game 1 from Bam Adebayo. And, again, was it 29 points from Goran Dragic in Game 1? He's their X-Factor in this series. I think if if the Heat go on and win it, Goran Dragic is going to be the reason that they, that they do it, I think. He has been... So good. The last few games for Miami in the bubble. Miami, by the way, has only lost once this entire postseason in the bubble. And that was game four against the Bucks. So I look at Miami right now. They're feeling good. They're confident. They've been tough to beat. And, and to be fair, defensively is where they've really surprised me. They've stepped up. And it's all on Eric Spolster, I think. He's figured it out with this young group. So I'm really I, I pleasantly surprised with the way the Miami Heat have been playing on the defensive end of the floor. Bam Adebayo has been incredible. The Heat have really got a really nice player there, and that that you know he's got Pat Riley's finger fingertips all over that. I mean, it's fingerprints all over that. I should say, really, really perfect draft pick by Pat Riley. No questions about that. Tyler Hero's fitting in well. Duncan Robinson is a three-point assassin. And you just look at the role players, coupled with Jimmy Butler leading the way for Miami. They're going to be tough to beat. Now listen, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, possibly getting Gordon Hayward back. That's still apparently up in the air. I don't know if they would get him back for this series. But we'll see. Those are a, this is a tough Celtics team, no question about it. A team that they're trying to make a little bit of history as well. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens from their side of things. I think they'll respond tonight. I honestly think the Celtics could win game two easily. But if Miami wins game two tonight, I think they could go on and easily win this series. So this is a big game tonight. This is a big game too that you guys will know the result of. I'm going to go watch when this recording's done. It's a big swing game in the series, in my opinion. I think if Miami wins it, I think they'll win the series in the end. If the Celtics win it, they're going to have a very good chance of going on, possibly getting to the NBA Finals themselves. So, it sets up, by the way, Nuggets, Lakers, Heat, Celtics. We can get some good potential NBA Finals matchups here. 
Lakers Heat is interesting. LeBron against his former team in the finals. Lakers Celtics always has extra juice to it. No question about that. I even think Nuggets Heat is an interesting NBA Finals matchup just because of the contrasting styles from those two teams. I think Nuggets Celtics is a bit of a mismatch, especially down low. I think that I think Jokic could eat the Celtics alive in a seven-game series. Although, what are the you know the guard matchups? What's going to happen there? The wing matchups in that series are very interesting as well. I think I'd give the Nuggets a slight edge over the Celtics in a seven-game series, but not much. And then the Lakers would probably be a favorite over either team, the Heat or the Celtics, but it could be a really tight series depending on how those two teams defend. I think the Heat could stay with the Lakers in a seven-game series. I think the Celtics could give them a run for their money for sure. So that's the good part about the way the bubble is shaped up. Despite the Celtics, sorry, despite the Clippers being knocked out a little early here in, in, in an embarrassing fashion, no question about it. There's still some real, and the Bucks being eliminated too, by the way, early in the NBA playoffs as well. There's still potentially three really good NBA Finals matchups that could happen to finish this season off. And then we'll see what happens when next season gets underway. So I, I'm excited. I, I think that you look at the storylines for the Nuggets-Lakers series. I'll go back to that to kind of finish things up here on the show this week. I look at Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis. I think whoever whoever outperforms the other, whoever gets the better of that down-low matchup probably wins the series. I think the way that... Because listen, LeBron can go off. Jamal Murray can go off. I think it's going to come down to the bigs. And I think if Nikola Jokic is putting up triple doubles every night, I think the Nuggets could win this series. I really do. I just don't think the Lakers... Listen, getting Rajon Rondo back is huge for LA. No question about that. But I still worry about them defensively inside. And I think Nikola Jokic could really make life tough on the Lakers. No question about it. And if Jamal Murray gets going in this series... The Lakers could have could be in some trouble. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I still think they're the favorites, the Lakers, I do. The, listen, it's their title to lose now. The Clippers are out of the way. They don't have to play the Clippers. They get a huge break here, the Lakers do. LeBron gets a huge break not having to face the Clippers in a Western Conference Finals. It's their title to lose. They're the favorites now. It was the Clippers, I think, by just a smidge, and now it's the Lakers by a bit of a distance. So it's on them. We'll see if they're able to pull through, but they're going to have to go through a couple of tough matchups. Uh, if they're if they you know the one first in Denver is going to be tough. So we'll see. We'll see if the Lakers can can pull it off. But for now, those two series are great to take in moving forward. One last note here. Really disappointed that we don't get a Lakers Clippers series. But this the disappointment that you saw from Doc Rivers and that roster. You bring in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And again, I get Paul George was hurt. But my last thought on the show this week is the Clippers, again, they again, it's a different this has been a season unlike any other. They'll probably keep this team together, no question about it. But 
this is, I mean, you can't improve this team much more than you've, what you've already got. When you look at the Bucks, right, the Bucks could get a little bit better, and they could add a couple of pieces that could fit and make that team better. The Clippers are kind of stuck with what they've got, you know? And, and again, you can't, you know, there's other factors here, but there's not a ton of excuses here. The, you got to beat the Nuggets, man. You're 3-1 up. You've got to win that series, man. And Denver comes back and snatches it. A lot, of, a lot for Steve Ballmer, Doc Rivers, and company to think about during the offseason. Clippers have got a lot of work to do, man. Because if they're not, you know, if they're not winning a championship for the next year or two, I don't know when they're winning one. This is the team that's going to do it if if they if they ever do it because it's just too good, and it's too good to lose three one up, and you know, you know, blowing a three one lead to the Nuggets not good enough from Doc Rivers and company. So that's going to be the real big story for them during the offseason. What are they going to do now to try to get to the top? So we'll see. But certainly interesting stuff going on in the NBA and with the Knicks as well. That's where we'll wrap it up this week on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thanks as always for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there as the pandemic continues in the country. Hope you're enjoying the NBA basketball. We've still got a few more weeks of it. Enjoy it and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Make sure you comment and let us know what you think about stuff going on with the Knicks and the NBA on postingandtoasting.com in the Shock Shock Knicks podcast article that goes up with the po- with the show link every week. Thank you as always for listening, and I'll see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.